0: morning good morning it's the 31st of august 2022 i don't know whatever you thought you were going to get done in august like today's the day yeah or whatever you thought you were going to get done by the end of the summer yeah <laughs> pretty much today's the day i don't know you might have to the end of the week but i feel like labor day is officially the end of the summer and so yeah that's that's coming up fast Today's Growing Your Faith Verse of the Day here at Faith Radio, which uh, reminds you you can sign up to receive the Growing Your Faith Verse of the Day in your email inbox every single day by uh, going to MyFaithRadio.com and availing yourself of this free resource. So today's Growing Your Faith Verse of the Day, Proverbs 31, verse 8. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. I think when we think about uh, somebody getting justice, we're not often thinking about the advocacy side of that, being uh, being sure that people who might um, lack resources or lack information or lack relationships or lack status might not get the same kind of justice, same access to the justice system. Um, and the ways that it can work for us and not against us. And so consider for a moment who this verse might mean in your life. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves and ensure justice for those being crushed. Who is it that cannot speak up for themselves? Who has a hard time being heard in the world today? And particularly, who is being crushed by a system of injustice? Who is sidelined or marginalized or squelched Who are the poor, the helpless? Who are those who need you to help them gain access to real justice? And what do these verses say maybe in the context of a culture that tries to silence voices that they don't agree with? Maybe that is a conversation um, related to this today. What is justice and how is that word used and sometimes manipulated today? As I was considering um, God's word here from Proverbs 31, verse 8, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, ensure justice for those being crushed. The Lord brought to mind um, the words of Jesus, the declaration uh, at the start of his ministry. It's recorded in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 30. We'll just read the beginning uh, handful of those verses here uh, today, but encourage you to read these verses in their fuller context. And he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he, Jesus, rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Now again, I want you to read these verses, Luke 4, Luke 4, 16 to 16 uh, to 22, in their fuller context, you need to read all the way to verse 30 to see just how quickly uh, the sentiment in the congregation changed toward this, the preacher of the day. That might be counsel for us today as well. But um, today I want to focus on this. If you and I are representing Christ today as his ambassadors, his agents, and his body— then what does the calling of Christ, what does his understanding of his own ministry have to say to us who are representing him today? What does it mean for you and I to recognize that the spirit of the Lord is upon us, not only upon us, but in us? I mean, literally we're possessed by the Holy Spirit if we're Christians. What does it mean for the spirit of the Lord to be upon us? What does it mean to be anointed, to proclaim good news to the poor? What does it mean to be sent to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind? What does it mean to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor? What does it look like today to speak up for the poor and the helpless and to see that they get justice today? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Next up, we're going to talk with our friend Daryl Crouch. We're going to... um. This is our segment, living from living from the living word of God to living out the word of God. Uh, it's in a series that we do with Daryl, and we're going to talk a little bit about Labor Day. Labor Day is coming up. What what is work? What's the dignity of work? What's the dignity of the worker? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. that I thought would never end. Welcoming Daryl Crouch back today. Good morning, Pastor.
1: It's great to be with you, Carmen.
0: It's wonderful to talk with you today. Um, Labor Day is quickly approaching. I thought it might be good for us to talk about what the Word of God has to say about the dignity of work and the dignity of the worker.
2: Well, I love that uh, because most of us have to work. I mean, we're called to work, so it applies for all of us. And it's cool that we get a day off uh, on Monday. So that I hope you enjoy that. But um, yeah, God created. I think uh, that's really important. He's a worker. God is a worker. And I think as image bearers, uh, our work reflects his glory. And so uh, sometimes, um, and I think I, a long time ago, I remember saying this as I was a younger fella, uh, you know, that work is a curse and, um, you know, kind of throwing off on um, uh, hard work. And uh, that's just not true. Uh, obviously, our work, uh, the, the sin entered the world and um, um, our work became harder. And uh, there was a lot of obstacles and frustrations around all that. But but work itself um, is um, a reflection of uh, our our um, uh, connection with God and um our reflection rather rather of his glory and of his image, and then a connection with our purpose, uh, in life that, that, um, so many, uh, people unfortunately are not, uh, you know, they're searching for purpose and, and all those things. And, um, they kind of put work over in a bucket that may be separate from, um, you know, who they are, uh, in terms of, uh, why God's put them on the planet. And, um, you know, I think it's important for all of us as believers, particularly to, to say, you know, um, what God has given me to do, the skills and the, the passions, the things that I'm fired up about, the things that help me provide for my family and uh, the needs of others. Um, that's uh, an integrated faith. And so uh, we're, not, we're, we're not just simply fundraising, although that's an important piece of it, but we are on mission with Jesus every day. In the workplace, and uh, it really couldn't for me. Uh, in the work that we get to do uh, during this season, with uh, our work with um, churches and businesses and all the rest, uh, it's really exciting to see believers um, catching a vision for what's possible for them in this eight to ten hour workday they have every day to to reflect God's glory and to uh, fulfill their purpose. It's a it's a wonderful opportunity that God's given to us
0: couple of verses that we're going to um, talk with Daryl about here in just a moment, so I'll read them, um, and then we'll talk about them um, here in a second. Colossians three twenty three and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with your whole heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And then in Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10... Bond servants. In other um, places, this is, um, you know, this is translated slaves, which is a word we're going to have to talk about because contextually um, for us, that's a really complicated term. It not, does not mean the same thing here. So I'll say bond servants are to be submissive to their masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. These are some verses um, for us to consider as we apply the living word of God to the living out of the word of God in our lives. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, Daryl Crouch and I will be right back. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Hey, I'm Suzy Larson. Hey, if you enjoy
2: what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Suzy Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you
0: listen to podcasts, Hit subscribe and have a great day. Continuing our conversation with Pastor Daryl Crouch, you can find him at Everyone's Wilson. Um, Daryl, let's talk about these passages, Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as if the Lord is the one you are serving, because that's reality. And then these this, these verses in Titus 2, bond servants are to be submissive to their masters in everything, uh, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not stealing or pilfering, um, showing all good faith, so that in everything we might adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Um, what does God's Word have to say to us about work?
2: I just love that, and I think— um, our um, our disposition toward work uh, is really important the, the That is our attitude uh, toward work is really important. And certainly a bond servant, as you mentioned, is different in Paul's day than as we understand slavery in the last uh, you know over the first two hundred years of our um, uh, founding of a nation. but uh, the the idea that a servant, someone who is voluntarily and um, um, employed by, and um a part of the family of um uh, an employer or a master in that case um the the attitude of a worker toward the the responsibility that he or she has was really important and um it's uh, very easy uh, in a culture that that did not elevate Christ that a culture that did not know Christ uh, that workers would take advantage of their employers that they would pilfer, uh, they would uh, steal time, they would undermine uh, the gain that their employer would seek and um, uh, really not fulfill their responsibilities and so um, I think Titus was uh, reminding us uh, that that not only our attitude is important toward those who have given us employment and the opportunity that we have to contribute to something greater than ourselves. Uh, but the actions and the way that we do our work, that we really should be the best worker in the building. We really should have the best attitude. We really should bring our, as they say now, our A game, that this is uh, a reflection of the glory of God. And Titus talked about it, adorning the doctrines of God. Isn't that a beautiful phrase mm-hmm. that, that, that we get to be an ornament of God's grace? um uh, that adorns the you know the gospel and 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 that that our work can contribute to that and that the way that we work we're known that way and um again I've seen that play out in some of the folks that we work with here locally that that they don't go in and preach the gospel every morning to their employers uh, or to their coworkers but they um they live a righteous life they live for the glory of God They allow the Word of God to be their guide in the way that they do their work. And that, and our listeners should know, that is a culture shift uh, in your workplace. You can recreate the culture wherever you work, whether you're at the bottom of the rung, in the middle, or at the top. You can be a a culture shifter in your workplace that adorns uh, the gospel. And, um, so it's, we're not really sure sometimes how me making this, this widget or me sending this email or me, um, running that errand or me doing this mundane work can, can, um, can really make a difference, but it, it really can. When our attitude, when we lay it before the Lord as a, as a, as an object of worship, as a, as a gift back uh, to the Lord, and as we serve our neighbors and, uh The work that we do um really uh, does reveal and reflect something greater than ourselves and greater than even that that one um task that we're doing as important yeah. as that is
0: yeah i love I love this language of you know in everything that i'm doing um in everything that i'm doing. In submission to the authority over me, um, in terms of my employer, in, in terms of my relationships with people in positions of authority of all kinds, like, right, I, I in every single one of those relationships, by my um, behavior, actions, attitude, um, the way that I'm engaging with other people, I am adorning the doctrine of God, our Savior, um, that is that gives me a different kind of perspective on myself and the work that I am doing, whatever it is, and whoever's requiring it. Um, and I think that's so helpful. I mean, I think that's I think these two passages, you know, are saying the same thing. I, I mean, ultimately, I am serving the Lord, and how am I serving the Lord? It's not through what I am doing um, necessarily in the actual functionality of the work. It is the fact that I am serving him as his disciple, making him known, representing him to the world in every moment of every day through every action or inaction and attitude and and on and on and on.
2: Absolutely. And sometimes we uh, assume that because we're not being noticed by others that our work doesn't count or that mm. because we can't see progress today our work doesn't count, but again, the scriptures that we've read today indicate something far different than that, that not only God sees, but he uses those tasks, as mundane as they are, as unnoticed as they are, um, to advance the gospel, to um, contribute to creation, to uh, serve our neighbors. Uh, the mundane, the uh, uh, and again, not all work is mundane, so I don't want to suggest that, but um, every the, the tasks are important whether other people notice them or not and mm-hmm. um, they uh, sometimes we just gravitate to the things that people will see the, the things that will be rewarded for immediately and um, here there's this there's this um, encouragement to dig in and to say this is the work God's given to you and do it with all your mind do it with everything that you have um, and uh, know that God will re, you know God will produce the fruit of that. And um, I think sometimes it's easy to get frustrated in our work uh, because um, maybe uh, it just doesn't seem that important. But here um, we see the scripture elevates work um, as a category uh, so that this is a part, as you mentioned, of our disciple-making life. And um, it's interesting. uh, One thing, when I speak to business leaders and they're not sure why I'm in the room as a kind of a, as a faith leader. And, um, uh, but I, I tell them, you know, when, when my pantry is empty, it's not just my stomach that hurts. Um, uh, the, the work that you do in contributing to the economy, the, the work that you do to contributing this community, it is soul care for me. And, um, uh, if I can't pay my mortgage, it, I mean, that's a housing problem, but that's also a spiritual crisis, emotional crisis. And, uh, so, us all doing our part to till the soil, to cultivate the earth, is a very integral part of what God is doing in our communities. And so um, our, our, our listeners should be encouraged that, that uh, you're, we're, serv- we're also serving our neighbors in a very tangible way as we do our work as unto the Lord.
0: Um, you have me thinking about brother Lawrence, and i am gonna um i'm gonna bring his story back up uh we don't have time to tell it in its fullness today, but practicing the presence of God is something that uh you know we learn from i don't know is it like a fifteenth century monk um yeah. but it's his backstory that's so um that's really so impressive and powerful, and the people who along the way um employed him even though he was lame and uneducated and on and on and on. Um, And I just think there's such a lesson there in terms of um, if you're in a position to give someone a job that dignifies um, them, then that's an important work as well. And so lots of ways and places to be thinking about work today uh, as we approach Labor Day. Um, And just, Daryl, thank you so much for unpacking these scriptures with us and wandering around with us as we, seek to, um, you know, move from the living Word of God to actually living out the Word of God in real life. We really appreciate the conversations we get to have with you.
2: It's an honor to be with you. Love it.
0: Love it. Have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. You too. It'll be great. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, let's, uh, let's take a moment and hear some upwards from Max Lucado. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Faith Radio. So as I was uh, scanning the headlines this morning in preparation for our conversation today, um, I read a headline from the Associated Press related to life expectancy. So here you go. The government has reviewed your life expectancy and, well, you have come up wanting. (laughs) Uh, Revised life expectancy numbers are out um, and there's been a serious drop off since 2000. It's like a statistically significant reduction in life expectancy for Americans born in 2021. Um, So Americans born in 2021 can expect to live for, well, see, they describe it as meager. It's not meager compared to the life expectancy of others around the world or other generations. But anyway, the life expectancy is now 76.1 years. So um, yeah, Mom and dad, you're like, you're so outpacing um, this. I don't even hardly know what to say to you this morning. So good morning. The lowest life expectancy since 1996. That's where we are. So this is according to a government analysis that was just uh, published um, on, uh, I guess, last Wednesday. It's the biggest two-year decline in almost 100 years. So what's to blame? Well, COVID, drug overdoses, and accidents drive these numbers. Um, but life expectancy is not actually a prediction for a single individual. So I can't really say, well, this is your life expectancy. No, this is like a statistical life expectancy for a person born in America in 2021 based on, you know, current trends. So it's kind of like a check engine light, an indicator for... Um, sort of how healthy it is to be living in this particular culture at this particular point in human history. So as Christians, there's a different question, I think, for us to ask here. What is your life expectancy? Um, First of all, I I expect to live forever, like forever and ever and ever. Amen. So um, life expectancy for the Christian is eternal. That's one part of this conversation. But life expectancy is also, uh, you know, about so much more than a length of time, Life expectancy is about how God expects us to live life to its fullness here and now in full anticipation and in full view of a life that extends forever. So I expect to live forever as a redeemed child of the King, an heir of the kingdom of heaven. I expect to know God fully, even as I am now fully known. I expect my life here and now to be both a preparation personally and a demonstration to others of what it looks like to be in a living, lifelong, eternal relationship with God. So what's your life expectancy? What do you expect in terms of life? Not just in terms of the number of your days, but of the quality of your life lived here and now to the glory of the one who makes it possible that you will live forever. Christian, I ask you this morning, what's your life expectancy? How are you going to talk about that in the conversations of this day? Mark Turman's going to join us next from the Denison Forum. We're going to talk across a range of headlines. He's got a couple of good news to stor- good news stories to, st- to share with us. One caught my attention out of Texas. Um, there's a student who has been raising funds in order to adopt a baby that he found in a trash heap. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. If you go and visit denisonforum.org today, you're gonna um, you're gonna see leading off an article, the daily article. Last Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev dies at 91. A surprising part of his historic story. It's Jim Denison's piece up today. Um, Gorbachev certainly changed history. That can't be said of a lot of people, and so um, the perception of him by those of us in the West versus uh, the perception of him of the people of Russia is an interesting conversation. Certainly, it's also just a good reminder that even people who change history, um, history then sometimes changes again in ways that uh, that they don't appreciate um, or honor. Mark Terman is joining us now from the Denison Forum. You can find him at denisonforum.org as well. Mark, welcome back.
1: Hey, great to be with you, Carmen. Good morning.
0: Good morning. All right. So I want to reach back um, a couple of days here um, and to another daily article and have you tell us about this student who has been raising funds in order that he can adopt a baby that he found in a trash heap. This is an inspiring story.
1: Yeah, just an amazing story, really. Uh, Don't know exactly, haven't seen the details about why this university student was in Haiti, but while there, he came across uh, a child that had been abandoned in a trash can and obviously has just become captured by the needs of this of this infant and uh, has already raised $159,000 as of uh, two days ago to help adopt this baby and to care for it, uh, I assume, for the rest of of his life, which is such a beautiful picture of what God does for us, of how God comes and finds us when we're abandoned in our sin and reaches out to, to provide whatever resources necessary for our redemption and for our care. It just is a great story of somebody doing something really good in the face of unbelievable need and sadness.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And places such high value on life and uh, on the ability of every single individual to do something. And when God turns your heart aside from uh, the things that, you know, you might be might be going on in your life and turns you aside to hear the cry of another um, from somewhere else, like it's a pretty profound, um, it's a very, very profound testimony and witness. And we look forward to following it as it unfolds. Um, another story that you, um, that you all are focused on at Denison Forum is the story of Matt Chandler. Lots of people are yeah. going to recognize his name. Many will not. And so um, tell us who he is and what's going on, um, because this is really, I think, a very positive testimony about how accountability can positively work in the church.
1: Right. Well, Matt Chandler is a very popular uh, pastor here in the Dallas Metroplex area. Uh, when he took over leading the church that at the time was called the First Baptist Church of Highland Village, just north of downtown Dallas. I think the average attendance of that church 20-some-odd years ago was about 150, 180 people. Uh, Today, they have tens of thousands of people in multiple campuses that are a part of their congregation. So it's really a great story of how God uses Uh, a ministry, how God uses a pastor, how God uses a church to reach a lot of people. Uh, Matt has been known for a couple of decades. I've lived in the Metroplex the same amount of time as a man of integrity, as a man of uh, great biblical insight and skill. And uh, many people uh, love him and rightfully so. Um, But Matt uh, has in recent days come under accountability from his church. Uh, for a non-sexual, non-romantic, but uh, what was described as inappropriate relationship that occurred through digital texting um, and is being held accountable about about it. And uh, it's, it's really echoing and rocking many in not only the Dallas area, but far and wide. I don't know Matt Chandler, but I have attended his church on occasion. I love his preaching. I think he's very effective in that way. But Uh, These kinds of stories are really hard, Carmen, and we see them way too often, we feel like, certainly. Uh, One would be too many, but this is really difficult. And, you know, at the same time, we should be glad when any of us is held accountable for our sin and brought to a place of accountability and repentance and hopefully restoration. But it is really hard for sure.
0: Yeah, I want to acknowledge that I think this is the way it's supposed to work. I mean, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. No one is perfect. Um, temptation is, is always right there. And the enemy is certainly prowling around um, each one of our lives and, and, and probably concentrating attention on those who are making, you know, really significant kingdom impact. And so it doesn't surprise me that, um, that a church leader like Matt Chandler would find himself um, distracted, tempted, um, I, but I think it's it's wonderful that he's got people who are um, close enough and 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 care enough, um, brothers and sisters in Christ who are mutually concerned not only about him but about the health of the body and the proclamation of the gospel. Um, to say, hey, this is um, we see this, and this is a problem, and. And he recognizes it as well. Like, this is what mutual accountability looks like. I think this is, you know, potentially, I mean, I don't know, we haven't heard the end of the story yet and it's unfolding. But, um, you know, potentially this is an opportunity to say, hey, this is something that um, that happens. And it's not a death knoll for a marriage or uh, a a pastor or their leadership. Like, I'm hoping this is going to be a redemptive um, model a redemptive expression of of how restorative discipline works as opposed to that which is just punitive.
1: Absolutely I I totally agree. You know the the first thing is is we should be glad anytime our sin is brought out into the light light for accountability because that's where healing and redemption can begin. If it doesn't come into the light where it can be seen for what it is where confession and repentance can happen, then we're just going to be stuck in it until that step is taken. And uh, I watched some of the some of the reporting on this. I think Matt Chandler did a great job of owning responsibility for what had happened and for submitting to the accountability that the church was bringing. Some people may ask, well, why does this have to be in the news? Well, part of that is is because he's such a public figure, and the Bible speaks of, of that, that you know, to the degree that your sin is, is affecting certain people, uh, it has to be made known in that kind of scale. And uh, that's part of the reason. But it's a good thing when God holds us accountable and does that lovingly through other believers, through a church. It's very painful for the closer you are to this. If you're a, a part of Matt's family, obviously, if you're a part of that church, it's more disappointing to you than if you go to another church. Uh, But it's very painful and has a lot of of ramifications. But what you said is absolutely true. It is redeemable. It is something that God can turn for good and actually uh, extend grace and ministry, not only into Matt and his life uh, in a very powerful way, but into the lives of other people by example and by teaching. Uh, So it's something that God can redeem. So many comeback stories in the scripture, right, whether it's Peter or uh, uh many others that we could name David uh, people can and do come back through the grace of God and that's really all of our story
0: mm. I um I want people to hear the story uh, another story out of uh out of Dallas related to the heroic efforts of a bus driver and a bus monitor who um who God really brought to a particular point in time at a um, at a point of need in the lives of two children. This story is really extraordinary and incredible. So I want you just to imagine for just a moment, you've been a bus driver for 22 years. Nothing really particularly interesting has happened in all that time. Um, you are uh, working for the Dallas Independent School District and a kid didn't uh, make the bus. And so you got sent out in an empty school bus with a school monitor to pick up a kid who's not normally on your route. So you are at a place in town where you um, don't normally go and the kid never shows. And so you turn the corner and that's when God presents you with a life-saving opportunity. We're going to tell you the rest of that story in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Mark Terman is here from the Denison Forum and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. All right. uh, The bus driver and the monitor, the bus monitor had never met. They were sent out late in the morning to pick up a kid who had missed the bus earlier in the day. That kid actually never showed to meet the bus um, when they went out to to get them. Uh, They were in a part of town that was off their regular route and they turned a corner and that's when they saw the water raging past what was a creek had turned in not only to a river but um, into a raging flood um, through the neighborhood. And in the midst of all of that, what caught their eye was two kids clinging to a tree. So they sprang into action. They tied seatbelts together to make a lifeline, and with the help of neighbor neighbors, they pulled the kids to safety. And the bus driver says it had to be God. It had to be God. Mark Turman, uh, what do you want? What do you want to tell us about this story out of Dallas?
1: Well, I just love the compassion of this bus driver and his assistant. I've been a bus driver before. And, uh, you know, getting kids to school in the morning is an interesting experience. I just love the fact that they saw the need. And like our previous story, they just stepped up and said, God, what can I do? How can I help? And it sounds like it was just the spontaneous response of their heart. And this is this is where I think Carmen, so many people live that don't get uh they don't get their story told. We hear so much about the brokenness of the world. The news seems to be driven by that which is corrupt and that which is warped. But to see these kinds of stories, especially when it comes to intervening in the needs of kids uh is just so beautiful and so profound and just recognizing that yes, God is in our midst, and God is guiding us providentially to intersect with the needs of our world and to use our opportunities, our abilities, our resources to help those that we can help. This is really a beautiful Good Samaritan story, and it can be any of our story if we just will open our eyes and ask God, God, where do you want me to be a part of what you're doing in the world today? Many times it won't be this extreme, but it will be just as significant in the life of an individual in a way that we may never know how it will change their life. I had a, an experience like that recently where a man came up to me uh, after I was speaking and he said, you know, about five years ago, you sat down at a table at a, another event and you had a seven-minute conversation with me and it's changed my life ever since. I was like, wow, how would I have known?
0: Mm. I um, the There's just particular... Um things in this story that if any, any one little thing had been different, this wouldn't have worked. Like, this wouldn't have happened. Um, and the fact that the bus that they were driving um, is a special needs school bus, which means that the seat belts are removable and longer because they're designed to strap down wheelchairs. Like, in no other bus would that have been true. Um, I mean, just, anyway... Uh, this, the ways in which God works all things together for good. This is just one of those stories that just, I was so glad, um, that you guys lifted it up at Denison Forum because I don't know that otherwise I, you know, I would have seen it. Um, and so, you know, I just wanted to say thank you so much. I also love, um, uh, you've got a conversation posted in a recent podcast, the Denison Forum podcast, episode 38, um, on the Bible Project. And I would love for you to, you know, read us in. For people who don't know, what is the Bible Project? And, um, and you know, what, what, did, what did you learn about it in this conversation? Is this really a wonderful, inspiring way to use art to communicate um, what the Bible has to say?
1: Yeah, thank you for the reference to the podcast. Love the Bible Project. And I actually ran into the Bible Project a couple of years ago and didn't even know what it was that I had run into. Um, but this was a ministry started about 8, 10 years ago by two friends in college, uh, Tim Mackey and John Collins. They were uh, in in studying, preparing for ministry uh, at this Bible college, and they got to talking about how they could make the Bible become more accessible and more vivid to generation of people. And so they kind of went down different tracks. Tim went down the track toward preparing for uh, ministry in the way of becoming a a teacher, a professor. Uh, He went deep into the study of the Bible, into the languages of the Bible, and became uh, very capable in that area. John, on the other hand, went more down an artistic route because that's where his gifts and passion were but they stayed in touch and they kept talking. How can we bring these two things together? And so now they've released an app and uh, you may have seen it somewhere. They oftentimes release their material through the U version of the Bible. If you've ever seen a pencil line drawing, almost a cartoon sketching that overviews a book of the Bible, that's the Bible project. And now they've produced uh, just all kinds of videos. Some of them are animated, uh, all different kinds of video resources that attempt to bring the teachings of the Bible to life in very vivid, uh, very well-done uh, video format and, like I said, using uh, a form of animation as well as other artistic uh, means. And it just really is a powerful way for the Bible to come to life for you personally and for your family, for your children. Uh, an incredible resource, and like I said, now available in an app. And I just love the way it intersects the truth of the Bible with the power of art. I learned about this uh, when I was in Wittenberg a few years ago, how during the Protestant Reformation in this little village, the same thing happened, that there was an artist by the name of Cranach who would take the teachings of Martin Luther and other reformers and would put them into wood carvings so that the average person could Learn the story by learning what the images of the wood carving were all about. And God's been doing that for for centuries, for millennia, of bringing to life uh, the concepts of truth and the, the beauty of his word into all kinds of art forms. And this is just one of the latest versions of doing that.
0: Yeah, one of the things I love about the Bible Project, um, and you guys can find it at Bible project dot com um, there 's also information there about the app that Mark referred to, um, and again, the podcast at the Denison Forum um, on this topic is just wonderful. One of the things I love about the Bible project is that they go like beyond chapter and verse um, to help us experience like whole sections of scripture sections of scripture that were intended to be understood together um, and that's that is really helpful. Um, even to folks who think they know the Bible quite well. The Bible Project um, is a wonderful resource to, you know, to get us thinking about it in the way that it's intended to be understood um, in larger sections uh, oftentimes than um, than what we get in chapters and verses. Um, we have a, a listener here who just texted in. Um, Tim Mackey was my teaching pastor in Madison. I love his method of teaching. I've learned so much um, I guess you could say I'm a Bible nerd. Yes, well, yes, or a good student of the Bible. Either way, but um, yeah, I love that. Um, that you know, we're talking here about pastors who are you know applying what they know to um, to a really a, quite a large project here to make the Bible really accessible um, to contemporary people in in ways that take advantage of technology. It's just extraordinary.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful, and, and I love what you said there. They're trying to help us understand that the Bible is also a, a cohesive story, that it all fits together. Even though the Bible is is covering, you know, 3,500 years at least in terms of its length and breadth, uh, there is a consistent and, and cohesive story of redemption that God is moving with purpose and with direction. And a lot of what the Bible Project helps us to understand is how this story fits together how it works together for God's glory and for our good. And to do that through art is just amazing.
0: Yeah, it really is. Hey, thank you for lifting up um, this particular ministry through your ministry. So you guys can learn more about the Bible Project if you go to denisonforum.org and grab the latest podcast uh, there, and you'll get to hear more from Mark Turman. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today, bringing us so many good news stories and and helping us apply the Bible to life. We really appreciate it.
1: You're very, you're very welcome, Carmen. Great to be with you every time we get the opportunity to talk.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you. That's Mark Sherman. You can find him at denisonforum.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen Laburge, and this is Faith Radio. I have a friend uh one of my dearest friends in all the world her name is Jessica and Jessica lives in a way that um is encouraging and inspiring and convicting um she I, well I mean this phrase is not unique to her but her application of it is and it's bolo so be on the lookout and when you think about um you know when law enforcement issues a bolo they are encouraging us to, you know, be aware, have our eyes open, be paying attention. And they're actually telling us what to look for specifically. I don't know, you're looking for this vehicle, or you're looking for this individual, or you're looking for, you know, you're looking out for this, this or that. You know, I don't know, there's a lion loose from the from the zoo, whatever, bolo, be on the lookout. Um, Jessica applies that in everyday life. And she's on the lookout at the grocery store. She's on the lookout in, you know, in the parking lot. She's on the lookout. Um, everywhere she goes, and she's on, she's on the lookout for opportunities to ask people provocative questions about what's going on with them, and then she offers to help. Sometimes just presenting an idea or an access point, or um, hey, have you considered this? Or you know, I'm I'm observing this. thinking about when she saw a person with a name tag that was upside down and she's like, hey, your name matters, you know, straighten that thing out. So there you go. Be on the lookout today in the spirit of Jessica for, um, for people who might be otherwise unnoticed and shower them with God's grace. We got another hour up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app.